If you've got your Bibles, today we're talking about the God who brings justice. And that's not always the thing, the topic that you think about at Christmas time. Um, but this baby that's coming, right, wrapped in swaddling clothes, like everybody loves to look at Jesus as Jesus is love. Jesus is, but we forget at times to think that he also brings justice, right? Like I think we all have kind of, not all of us, but I think a lot of us have this wimpy version of Jesus. I mean, Jesus was a carpenter. Like Jesus was a man's man. Jesus, I'm, I'm thinking with the 12 that he picked, he had to have had a sense of humor, right? And so I'm just sitting there. I think I have a completely different picture. I think we all have this uh, picture that we've grown up with, with white Jesus and kind of the blondish highlighted hair. And I've seen pictures of him with blue eyes. And I'm gonna go ahead and bet he did not have that, all right? I'm gonna go ahead and try to debunk maybe all of your thoughts about Jesus, but I'm sitting here and I'm going, man, I know that, that as I read through scripture, like this man brings justice. He has to, right? Like he has to, and, and his whole job was justice. His whole job was to pay the penalty. His whole life, his job was to pay the penalty for your sin and my sin. Could you imagine if that was your goal? Your only goal in life is that you, while you're here, that you were going to pay a penalty for someone else's sin. Nonetheless, the sin of the world. Like that's, it's crazy to me, but that's his mission. That's his goal the whole time. And so the first week we talked about the curse, the cure and the conquest. Uh, John talked about the God who rescues. And then the next week we talked about the God who intervenes. Aren't you so glad that he intervenes? Aren't you so glad that he steps in, that he swoops in? A lot of times the Holy Spirit, he swoops in in times when, when you needed a word, you needed an encouragement right there in that moment for Charles to come up, like for the Holy Spirit to be able to have freedom in your life, to say, to move you from one spot to the next, to be able to set up shop maybe in a different spot or, or, or for you to be able to have the right words to say to friends and to family. And I think we live in a world at times, we as believers, like I kind of mentioned it last week, but we want, we want people to get what they deserve at times, right? Like you see things that happen and you're like, oh, they got what they deserve. Aren't you glad that you and I, that we don't always get what we deserve? Like in studying this this week, like I've been that at times, I've been like, oh, <laughs> they got what they deserve, boom. But man, if I got what I deserved, I wouldn't be standing in front of you today. Like, I wouldn't be able to teach today. If I got what I deserved as a teenager, like, I probably could have been in jail. Like, there's just things that we've all done, mistakes that we've made, and, and we've paid uh, some penalties for those things. Maybe we, we didn't do anything that was jail-worthy, but maybe we did some things that we got grounded for that maybe your mom and dad shielded you, intervened, so that you didn't have to maybe pay the full penalty if you would have gotten caught. And so my mom, my mom, I mentioned it last week, she was intervener, uh, she was hostage negotiator, at times. She was crime scene analyzer. She was judge and jury. And I got to be honest, man, my mom, I mean, she brought justice. And when she found out that we did some things at school, man, my mom didn't try to hide that uh, and pretend like her kids were perfect. No, when she found out that Kyle Wells was cheating in school, she chased Kyle Wells down all the way to the field house where all of the football team was doing weights. And she intervened and she brought justice and she embarrassed the fool dog out of him. She brought justice in that moment, but she came along the teachers. If you're here today and you think your child does no, uh, 
no bad thing at school or whatever, and you would rather get mad at the teacher or the principal, before you do that as a husband of a teacher, for one second, just think about the teacher before you go ham on the teacher, all right? Because when your kid's away from you, you don't always know what your kid's done. Saying that as I was one, and when I was away from Harold and Sally Wells, there were some dumb things that Kent Wells did. Don't always just jump to that conclusion. I was really loving it that my mom in that moment, because I always wanted my brother to get his hiney whooped at times. Like I, He was almost like the perfect child a lot of the times. And so when that happened, I was like, yeah, mom. But we love it when justice happens. But do we love it when it happens to us? Like, do we love it when we get what we deserve? I don't know, maybe some justice symbols. I started looking at it like you see Lady Justice with her blindfold uh, and the scales. Like, we always want those scales to tip in our direction, right? Like, we always want to, to, to be able to have justice, but when it uh, helps us. What about the gavel? If you're in a court scene, like, you love that gavel. I would love to be a judge. I think that would be fun. I think it would be fun to hear and then to, to, to smack that gavel and to be able to, to have that final rule on what was going to happen. But then you see the courthouses and the courtrooms. Hopefully, you've never had to be in one. Anybody had to do jury duty before? Don't you just love it? Like, I really want to be on like a really tough case one of these times. Like parking tickets or something. You're like, really, did it have to get here? Like you took my whole Monday or my whole Tuesday for a parking ticket. Like I want to get in on one of the good things. Maybe, maybe you look at the American flag. I look at the American flag and I feel like that flag stands for justice. The, the equality of all of us. Like it takes, it takes people at a higher level to make for sure that it's level playing ground. Those things have to do with justice. Well, I don't know. Judge Judy versus Judge Mathis. Anybody? Judge Judy fans? Anybody? Yeah, she's retired, I think. So sorry about your bad luck. Um, maybe a law and order versus criminal minds. Any criminal minds people? Okay, all right, all right. Some of you, I don't watch that stuff. Maybe you should, I don't know. It's kind of fun. Kind of crazy, because what I've heard about criminal minds is like that stuff actually happens, right? Like that becomes the framework. And you're like, oh, that's, that's messed up. I don't know. Show this next slide. Uh, Justice League versus Avengers. Avenger people, we can be friends. Justice League people, church right down the road. Just kidding. <laughs> but man, I, like, I love to go and watch all of the Avenger movies because it's all, like, it always seems like justice prevails. Like at the end of the movie, it always kind of, except like, I don't know, did anybody go see like the last Wonder Woman movie? Like it's horrible. It's like, who is she even fighting? Like what is happening here? Anyway, whole different story. Um, but last week we talked about divine intervention. Can we say that God's justice, when he rules justly, like it takes his intervention, right? Like that's divine intervention. It's a beautiful piece, but even in his justice, he is intervening uh, in a great way. So I looked up this verse, uh, not this verse, but I looked up this dictionary. It came from the ATS Bible Dictionary from 1859. Look at this, look at how it uh, defines justice. It says that essential and infinite attribute which makes his, God's nature and his ways, the perfect embodiment of equity, and constitutes him the model and the guardian of equity throughout the, uh, the universe. Man, if you look at even the, the level playing field at the cross, like it wasn't, it wasn't the religious know-it-alls at the time that had the, the straight pathway to Jesus necessarily. In fact, he, 
He kind of cut them off at the knees a couple of times. Like he, like, like the level playing field that it was there of what Jesus did for us, guys, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful picture of what equity is, but it took justice. And so point number one, God's kingdom was founded on justice and righteousness. And he cares about living right. He cares about right decisions. He cares that you would live in, in a just manner, but he cares that you would always choose to do what is right by him. So as kids, students growing up, like, like not just to follow the path of everybody else in your school, but that you would actually care about what is right and what is noble, what is perfect and what is good. Why? Because those things always point to who he is. Look at Psalm chapter 45. In verse six, it says, and your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of your kingdom is a scepter of uprightness. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. The scepter here is a symbol of God's absolute rule over his creation. And so if you go back and you look at the overall schematic of uh, expectant, part of that in there is the scepter. That that's a beautiful picture of God's rule over his creation from the moment that he snapped his fingers and spoke it into existence. Man, that scepter is a beautiful picture, a symbol of his justice. Then in Genesis 49, 10, the scepter shall not depart from Judah. Who's he talking about as the scepter? The scepter here is Jesus all the way in Genesis, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until tribute comes to him and to him shall be the obedience of the people. Man, he's talking about this, this Jesus, the Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us, who's going to come and he is going to rule with justice and righteousness. That's what Jesus does. And then you go back to Psalm 89, uh, 14. It says, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne steadfast love and faithfulness go before you, man. This is the kingdom that we get to be a part of. And as believers, like wherever we are on the globe, if we're in Kenya, if we're here, like we should be those who would lift high that scepter to point to people, to point to God, uh, point people to God in those moments of, of showing them what justice looks like. Point number two this morning, Jesus himself embodied justice and righteousness. Justice and righteousness. Man, those things are so, he embodies those. From the get-go, when he shows up on the scene, he embodies all of those things. How, why would he and why wouldn't he? Man, it is God incarnate. He is Emmanuel. He's God with us. He's going to be leading us to, to follow exactly what God would want us to do and what he had to do for us. He is our just king. Aren't you glad? He's our just king, but he's also a righteous Lord. And that word Lord, when you see that in scripture, that is him, that's you saying to him, hey, you're boss. Man, you, you run this. You, you, you need to embody this body and you need to point me in all of the directions that I need to go. That's what being Lord is. But aren't you glad that he was also a great savior? And aren't you glad that he saved you from you? that he saved you from the penalty of your sin and my sin. I'm so uh, blown away by that. But this prophecy was fulfilled. Look in Luke chapter one, in verse 31, it says, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. The angel, who's he talking to? He's talking to Mary. And you will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. 
And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. And David was the one that was speaking earlier in those verses. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom. There will be no end. And no matter what happens in this country, no matter what happens across the globe, there will be no end to his big K kingdom. Lots of little K kingdoms around us, right? I would venture to say maybe people right here in Trophy Club kind of feel like they have their own little K kingdom inside of their homes. But this big K kingdom, like there's no end to it. We get to live in that for all of eternity. And that's a beautiful promise today that we cannot forget. And look, the angels with the shepherds, they knew it in Luke chapter two, verse nine. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. What happened? Just the same thing that would have happened to you and I if we were out in that field. And they were filled with great fear. And they're sitting there, they're doing their sheep work, right? And then all of a sudden, here is this host of angels, right? And the angel said to them, fear not for behold, I bring you bad news. No. He's bringing them good news. And he says, the good news of great joy that will be for all the people. You see, there's justice in that. It's not just for those who have a certain income. It's not just for those who've done a certain amount of good on the planet, that it is for all the people. Don't you love it that the angels pretty much showed up to maybe what would have been the lowest of low class back in the day? And that's how God showed up on this scene. And he told the shepherds first, Before royalty knew about it, he told the shepherds first. And he says this, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Not showing up at the, at the courthouse, not showing up in any other way, but, but lying in a manger, a borrowed place for him, not even room for him in the inn in town. Like he showed up in the lowest of lows and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. And to know that he was pleased with the work that was happening inside of the shepherding community that he would show up there first, that he would show up in this little town of Bethlehem, not even on the largest cities on the map at that point in time. He shows up in Bethlehem and he came in humble means. He showed up inside of hum, humble uh, means. It was a beautiful picture of what Jesus was setting up for his earthly kingdom. Isaiah knew Jesus uh, w- would be all of these. Look how he says in Isaiah, it says, for to us, a child is born, to us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. We hit these last week, and he will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. So my question to you today is, as counselor, wonderful counselor, what's he counseling you to do? What's he counseling you in your day-to-day, in your life? Maybe you're here and you're uh, on break from college. Like, what has he been counseling you to do in the setting that you're in right now? As mom, as dad, as, as a worker, wherever you work, what is he counseling you to do? Because what he's counseling you to do is better than anything you could dream up on your own. What he's calling you to next, way better than what you could have come up with. And then mighty God, man, aren't we glad that, that in our smallness, in our day-to-day lives, that he cares deeply enough to step in and to be mighty God inside of our situations, but everlasting father. You see, for some of you, you have a, a really bad problem putting those two words together because of your earthly father. 
and you've looked at your earthly father and you have portrayed God to, to kind of sit in that same world inside of your bubble, that the same things that your earthly father did, that's kind of what you project onto your heavenly father. And as good as my heavenly father was, man, Jesus is a way better heavenly father than my dad was an earthly father. And my dad was a great earthly father. But that as Prince of Peace, I think all of us think that, that Jesus is, was going to come in and rule and there was gonna be peace on earth. Man, there was nothing much about peace on earth. But what he does is he brings peace inside of you in the middle of your chaos and your crazy. What I said a, a week ago is that when you're at your wit's end, he's not. He's the Prince of Peace and he's the one that can bring peace in the middle of chaos. He can bring peace when there's a family urgent thing happening outside of here. He can bring peace in that moment, at least enough to be able to get through a service. He can bring peace to whatever it is that's going through in your bubble, in your world, whether that's monetarily, whether that's your job, he can bring the peace in that. Point number three, the effects of Jesus's justice and righteousness. Guys, they ripple far into eternity. They ripple far into eternity. All of us have gone and thrown a rock or, or whatever. I don't know if you see any, some of these reels. You see these, um, I would call them uh, idiots, but they jump off of cliffs that are so, so high or bridges. And they, what they do before they jump in, what do they do? They throw a rock in. And what they do when they throw that rock in, I think they're trying to get a feel for maybe how deep the water is. Maybe you should have swam down there beforehand, but they throw that rock in to kind of mess up that water to be able to give maybe a little bit more of that ripple effect. And then they jump in. And the ripple effect of what's happening with Jesus, his justice and his righteousness, what he did for us on the cross, can you agree that that ripple effect, although it happened 2000 plus years ago, it is still rippling and affecting your life today? You've got family coming in maybe, or you're going to see family. Like how does Jesus and what he did 2,000 years ago, how does that show up in your life in a way that you're able to portray that to family that you're gonna see over the holidays? It matters. Hebrews 1 uh, verse eight says, but of the son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. Look, the writer of Hebrews, man, he's, he's reading these words that I read earlier. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe. You will roll them up like a garment. They will be changed, but you are the same, and your years will have no end. The writer of Hebrews is rewriting the words that were written in Psalm 45 that I just read earlier. It's one of those prophetic, uh, messianic, if you were, uh, to go back and, and, and to see what, what was written in, in, the, in the book of Psalm. Now the writer of Hebrews, all of those years later, is reiterating what Jesus was to all of us and what he did. Beautiful picture. Beautiful picture of what all of that looks. So not only does it ripple into eternity, but his reign has been established since creation. Since creation, like he's been doing all of these things, setting everything up with justice and righteousness so that when you showed up on the picture, you had a complete picture of what living justly and living rightly should look like. And then you become the picture of what justice is in this world. 
You become uh, the Christian version of the Justice League or the Avengers. Like you get to pick up that mantle and you get to live. That matters in how you vote. It matters in the, the decisions that you make day in and day out. Like you get to be for this world, a picture of what justice and righteousness looks like. It's a great gift for you today that you get to continue to live that out. From last week, I looked at Romans chapter eight and I finished it off with these verses. Verse 37 through 39. Like to me, this is one of the greatest Christmas gifts that I could leave with you today, that you would be reminded again who you are, what you are, what you get to be and do because of who Jesus is. But in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Do you feel like you're being more conquered these days than conquering? Did you forget at some point in time that you were fighting from victory, not looking for victory? Man, when you are fighting from that victory, then you've already won, right? What Jesus did for you on the cross, man, you're fighting from that. You win already. Go read the book of Revelation. You win. You win. You're fighting from victory. You're not looking for your next victory. Your conquerors goes on to say that through him who loved us, And in his justice, he looked past your sin and my sin and he willingly laid down and died on the cross so that when he sees you, he sees conquer. He doesn't see sin. When he sees you, he sees someone who's ready to take on the next level of ministry, the next level of relationships. When he sees you, he sees somebody that he trusts to to teach your kids how to live justly, how to live right. He doesn't see the sin as believers. He doesn't see you in that state anymore. He sees you as conquering. And then he says this, for I'm sure that neither death, neither life, nor angels, rulers, there's nothing, there's nothing. Not here, not now, nothing in the past. There's nothing that should be stopping you from reaching your greatest potential in Christ Jesus. So what is it? Like this Christmas season, like what is it that's stopping you? Claim it, call it what it is. If it's sin, man, call it sin and say, God, now I thank you that you already have forgiven me and what Jesus did for me on the cross. And would you take that sin? And like the Bible says, would you let me see that you have thrown that as far as the East is from the West? So I'll quit picking it up. So I'll quit tripping over it, falling because of it. If it's a relationship, man, claim what it is and conquer it so that you don't have to keep on making the same mistakes day in and day out. Call it what it is. Claim the victory as a conqueror. And this Christmas season, man, begin to live in all that he's called you to. Every ounce of what he's called you to do because there's nothing nor height, nor death, nor anything else in all of creation that's gonna be able to separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And Jesus could not have stretched his arms out any wider on any greater platform to show you how wide and how deep his love was for you. He couldn't have done it. The greatest display in all of human history, he conquered it conquered death, conquered sin, conquered hell. So you could be here today. So that you might be encouraged to walk out of here 
and to be the conqueror that God's called you to be.